Welcome to Rocktail Hour, an hour's worth of rockin' good time in about 10 to 15 minutes with your buddies Tim, Treg, and Michael, three old guys that are a testament to the fact that rock and roll keeps you young. In each Rocktail Hour, we bring you our favorite stories behind the greatest rock and roll tunes of all time and other interesting ruminations about the music and the rockers who inspire us. This episode of the Rocktail Hour is sponsored by The Trip, Gigmaster's number one rock cover band in the U.S. for the last four years. Find The Trip from the link on our website or at meetthetrip.com. In this episode of the Rocktail Hour, Tim is going to tell us the story behind Money for Nothing by Dire Straits. This is another request from one of our listeners. This request came from Julie, a good friend of mine. She is a real Dire Straits fan, and she wanted to hear um, a rock tale about any of them. Uh, my choice for the rock tale was Money for Nothing. This is my favorite Dire Straits song. I'm with you. I love this song. This is my favorite Dire Straits song, too. I, I remember singing uh, singing along with it. Yeah, that sums up, you know, basically what we were aspiring for in the 80s, Trek and I. <laughs> and is it the most brilliant marketing gimmick ever to have I Want My MTV? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this song was written by Mark Knopfler. It uh, won the Grammy for Best Rock Performance or Duo or Group with a Vocal in 1985. It was released... June 24th of 1985 on the Brothers in Arms album. Great album. Yeah. This song uh, is, to me, we've talked about the past where we've kind of maligned, or at least I know I've maligned the 80s just a little bit. Now, this is a song, an excellent example of original music uh, from the 80s that really just has a great um, a great rocking feel to it. The, the guitar riff at the very beginning and then throughout is actually inspired by ZZ Top. Mark Knopfler, uh-huh. when he wrote the song, was really trying to get that feel uh, that Billy Gibbons, uh, with his guitar work, uh, creates in all of ZZ Top songs. He actually went so far as to try to get uh, some advice from Billy Gibbons about how he creates some of the sounds that he does, and Billy Gibbons respectfully declined to give him that advice. Uh. He didn't want to, you know, kind of <laughs> give away secret. trade secrets. Uh, yeah. Exactly. But the nice thing is, is that when he was asked after the fact how Dire Straits did, he indicated that he thought he got it pretty close. Billy Gibbons did? Yeah, Billy Gibbons did. So he gave them some credit there. It's fascinating that you that you bring that up because I'd never made that connection. And now that you say it, it's so obvious. Yeah. Oh, it's got that grinding axe song, that yep. style that, that, that ZZ Top was so famous for. Knopfler described um, how he wrote this song. He says that the lead character in Money for Nothing is a guy that works in the hardware department in a appliance store that sells televisions, custom kitchens, refrigerators, microwaves, etc. And that, and that's sort of reflected in the lyrics if you're familiar with them. Uh, he says that he's singing the song and that he wrote the song. Uh, when he was actually in an appliance store, and he actually heard a guy talking about um, rock stars that were on the TVs in this appliance store. MTV was on, and the guy was actually maligning uh, musicians and rock stars, you know, sort of saying, you know, oh man, they get, you know, their money for nothing and their chicks for free. And so he actually borrowed a piece of paper from the clerk that was helping him, and he started penning the lyrics. And this, that's the origin of this song. That's fantastic. I think that's great. Yeah, absolutely. So um, just to kind of go over some of the lyrics, the song starts out by saying, with Sting singing, I want my MTV. And, uh, and then this uh, character in the song says, now look at them yo-yos. That's the way you do it. You play the guitar on the MTV. That ain't working. That's the way you do it. Money for nothing and chicks for free. 
Now that ain't working. Let me tell you, those guys ain't dumb. Maybe you get a blister on your little finger. Maybe you get a blister on your thumb. So what he's really doing is denigrating, you know, any of the efforts that musicians make saying, you know, look, you know, here you go. Now, one of the things about this song that I find really interesting is that Knopfler got in a little bit of trouble because he's singing this song in the voice of a character that he's created um, who he's really kind of making fun of. And this character says some uh, racist and sexist and even homophobic things in the song. All right. He got in trouble with all of these groups for having written these lyrics and them thinking, misunderstanding that he was making fun of people who would be like that. So uh, in many versions of the song, um, it's it's censored. Uh, some of those, some of those uh, words have been changed or else they blur the words out. And his intent was simply to kind of make fun of this guy who was saying these things in, in the appliance store. Um, in fact, in all of the live shows that, that he played, uh, you know, early on, he really was kind of forced to have to change the words because people uh, apparently found it offensive and assumed that that's, you know, what he was trying to say. So first time I heard this song, I was actually living in Japan. And I want to say this was about 1986. Uh, and it probably was because when I was living there, some of these songs that were popular in America didn't quite make it to Japan until just a little bit later. I'm riding my bike through an outdoor mall, and I hear Sting singing, I Want My MTV. And I did recognize it as Sting, or at least it sounded like him to me. And so I stopped. I wanted to hear the song and was absolutely blown away when that song started. And at the time, I was listening to it on an outdoor speaker, and so I didn't really hear the words, but I was blown away by the, by the music. Um, a couple of weeks later, I'm riding through the same outdoor mall, and I literally am watching some teenage girls as they're listening to the same song, and they're singing along in English, and they're all enjoying it. I mean, this song really spoke to people. Um, when it first came out. And it was really kind of fun to watch these these kids enjoy the music. And, you know, when uh, when we did the Rock Tale, the podcast about uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit, and you talked about being in China, you know, I kind of feel the same way about this. You know, they didn't necessarily understand all the words, but they were really enjoying the music. Now, this was, you know, not an anthem to to teen angst or, or, you know, to try to inspire people to, to be different, but it really spoke to them in the, in that they just flat out enjoyed it. It was pure entertainment. And that's what I enjoyed about this song. Um, interestingly, uh, one of the greatest stories about this song that I have found in my research, I don't know if it's true or not, but if it's not true, it's, it ought to be. Um, truth has never stopped us before yeah that's true <laughs> that's absolutely true in the research we we regularly go to a website and i won't name it but it's a, a website that kind of gives us a starting point uh to tell some of the stories behind some of these songs well there's a place on this website where individuals can leave comments and one of the greatest comments i've ever read on this website is about this song I want to read to you the comments, and these are a little bit lengthier, but this is one of the best stories I've ever told. And again, if this story isn't true, it ought to be. So this guy is commenting on, on this website about how this song came about, and it says, Hello, here is the way I remember it. One morning in Signal Hill, California, my roommate asked me to smoke some hash and go to the stereo store in Cerritos, California. 
I had $2,500 and wanted to buy an Atari 1200XL, but my roommate was set on adding his sound system to a 50-inch projection TV. Having gotten stoned, I was standing in front of the TVs lined up on the back wall of the store watching a rock video. My friend saw me spacing out, and we started a conversation that went like this. Hey man, we should get a bunch of TVs and hook them up. Hey, how about the big TV? Look at those guys. Look at those girls. Yeah, beating on the drums like some chimpanzees. <laughs> I should have stayed on I should have ha stayed with a guitar and maybe get a blister on my finger. My friend raises his pinky and laughs. What are they, millionaires? Yeah, I should have stayed with my guitar. What are they playing? Hawaiian noises? Look at those guys. Money for nothing and chicks for free. Just think of it on a big TV screen. Then a salesman walks up and asks what we were talking about. As Mark Knopfler had just asked the clerk at the register for a pen and paper and frantically scribbled our conversation and walked out. So anyway, the story is, is that these guys got stoned, went to the stereo store, and, and they're the ones that inspired this song. This person that wrote this comment on the website says, Mark, if you read this, I'm not about getting any of your money or rights to the song. A backstage pass would be fine, or at least one concert. That's fine. <laughs> How funny. <laughs> Yeah. I don't see Mark Knopfler driving around in a limo, though. <laughs> yeah, I don't nor, nor either. Do I, nor do I see many people recognizing him. <laughs> well, and and my thought here is that, you know, having been stoned uh, on hash, Mark Knopfler may well have been in there to them. So there you go. I, I don't know. This reminds me of that time that, uh, that you and I, we were in that uh, music store, and I started telling you about this. There's this lady who's sure all that, all that glitters is gold, and she's buying a stairway to heaven. You remember that? And I Robert do. Robert Plant yeah. was behind us in line. I do. I remember that. And Robert, <laughs> we're not about getting your money. We just want a backstage pass. <laughs> Anyway, normally I wouldn't read the comments on uh, on air during these podcasts about that, but when I read that, I I was just rolling, and my wife came over and asked me what I was reading, and she read it and thought it was really funny too. But um, all in all, this is a great rock and song. It's a it's a privilege to be able to do this podcast for my friend, and and I just I'm glad that she brought this up because this. Uh, may not have been one I'd have thought of uh, right off the top, but when she suggested it was absolutely, I thought it was a great idea. So, I really love the video for this song. Isn't it all animated, right? With a couple of guys in a hardware store moving the TVs and things? Yeah, yeah. And, and again, the video is really um, uh, giving voice to this character that was created for the song that Mark Knopfler is singing in his voice. Interestingly enough... Um, this uh, video won Video of the Year in 1986 at the third annual MTV Video Music Awards. Mark Knopfler was very, very against uh, doing this as an animated uh, video. He wanted to do it um, with uh, video footage of him singing the song. And MTV said, no, we're not going to do it. We're not going to create a video. It has to be done this way. And of course, now if you look at the um, animation, it's very, very outdated, but at the time it was very cutting edge. And, and it's still a highly entertaining video. Um, if it had not been for Mark Knopfler's girlfriend, this would have never came about because he was uh, flying uh, to go speak to the executives that were going to produce this video and try to convince them not to uh, do it this way when his girlfriend said, hey, why not do it? And so, you know, there you go. Uh, he decided to go ahead and do this video as an animated video, and it, and it won uh, for that year. And I'm sure uh, made the song even more famous than, than it was to begin with. So, yeah, great video uh, that really showcased a great song. 
Well, thanks, Tim, for bringing us a story behind Money for Nothing by Dire Straits. We'd like to once again thank our sponsor, The Trip, the best rock cover band in America. Watch the promotional videos on our website and see for yourself the amazing talent and energy that they can bring to your next holiday party, corporate event, wedding, festival, or other private party playing the greatest rock, dance, and top 40 hits from the last five decades. Please email us at dudes at rocktailhour.com if you think we got it all wrong, if you have an interesting rock tale of your own, or if you have a recommendation of a song that you would think would be a good subject for Rocktail Hour. If you think we're just lame, well, please keep that to yourself. Also, please contact us if you want to buy the next round and an upcoming Rocktail Hour by becoming a sponsor. Until the next Rocktail Hour, rock on. Thank you.